Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. I'm continuing on in part two of when a house becomes a home. When a house becomes a home. I believe that we are in a time in the church that the model, number one, of church is shifting from being a house that you're entertained at to being a home that you're planted in. And from being a brand that you're building and a family that you are gathering around. And I think the model is shifting because people realize that you can build a brand and you can go be entertained and you're still empty on the inside. And you're still doing something for God. How many of you know that there's plenty of people in the world who have very pure intentions, but they still miss the mark? I had somebody tell me one time, is the best quote that I've ever had somebody tell me. I said, and it was a mentor of mine, and I said, I intended to do this. And he looked at me, he said, it doesn't matter what you intended to do. It matters about the people that you hurt when you did what you did. And we have, in the, in the South for sure, we have people who are all the time launching churches. I believe in launching churches. I, this church was planted and launched. I believe that you should launch and plant churches. That's not what I'm getting at here. What I am getting at is, is that you shouldn't feel called to be a businessman and go launch a church as an easy way out so that you can collect a check and you can be the CEO of a content. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting off in it to it this morning. You, you, to be the CEO of a content marketing place. And that's right. I get an amen from Tom. I know I'm on the right track. <laughs> to get a content marketing place so you can be a CEO of that. If you're called to be a pastor, this is about people. This is about people. Who cares how big your brand gets? The broken people up the street do not. They don't even know who you are. Nor do they care. And I think the, the culture of the church is shifting in, a, in such a good, healthy way right now. And I'm excited to be a part of that. And so I preached last week about the core value of family and how that is part of what makes us not just a house, but it makes us a home. And we value family. Um, we do not, we are not an organization in first church, right? I'm not interested in protecting the brand. I'm interested in protecting you. I'm not interested in protecting my image. Jesus wasn't. He did not do anything to protect his image. He actually did things that were so controversial it got him killed. And, and it was all out of a place of love for people. And you know, I, that's what I'm interested in. That's what I want to build, and I am glad that you are here this morning. But I want to talk to you this morning briefly 
about the value that we have here of servant leadership. I want to talk to you about what this means because the church has taken this, twisted it, and gotten this all wrong. They've taken it and they've twisted it and they've made servant leadership about you serving the leader. That is not what servant leadership is at all. You're not here to serve me, right? We are here to serve each other, right? You're not here to meet all of my needs, even though I, I so appreciate this church because there's never a Sunday that, that goes by that I'm not asked by at least four or five people if I don't need anything, and I am so appreciative of that. Like, it's, it's great to be a part of a place that is like that. But also, I've, I, I found myself, like, I, this, I, I asked myself one time, I was like, why do people do that? And the Lord instantly, he brought me back to a time where I was a leader over multiple areas. And I would go back and I would ask people, hey, do you need anything? And the Lord instantly spoke to me. He's like, you reap what you sow all the time. If you reap honor, or if you sow honor, you reap honor. If you sow dishonor, you reap dishonor. And so I'm so thankful that we are a part of a church where we serve each other. But servant leadership is not you climbing a ladder because you like to follow all the rules. If that's what a servant leader is, I am, I am out of it. You can, ask, you can ask my wife. If there's a ladder to climb, I'm trying to, in any organization or any company, I'm trying to, I'm trying to throw the ladder out the door and... Yeah, I got a lot of trouble in my corporate job for that because in corporate America, that's what you do is you climb the ladder. I also did my job real well, so I was allowed to say things, you know, every now and then. But um, Homes are homes because of values. They're homes because of values. They're homes because it just feels like home. You can't describe it. There's not really a way to put language to it. It just feels right. So I compared it last week to house shopping. You can walk into a lot of houses, but you know when you walk into your home. And I'm telling you some of the things that make Hope Unlimited your home, or it may not make it your home. So I want to preach to you today out of Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Verses 17 through 26. One day he was teaching, and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to perform healing. Some men were carrying a bed. Say carrying. Say it like you mean it. Say carrying. On a bed, a man who was paralyzed. Say paralyzed. And they were trying to bring him and set him in front of Jesus. But not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him in down through the tiles with his stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith. Say their faith. Seeing their faith. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven the scribes and the Pharisees begin to reason, saying, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies, who can forgive sins 
but God alone. But Jesus, aware of their reasoning, answered and said, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Jesus was a little prophetic. Hit him with a little prophetic unction right there. That's what we call it anyway. Which is easier to say, your sins have been forgiven? Or get up and walk? Excuse me. But get up and walk so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. Flip over to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians. What does Pastor Casey say? If you're looking for it, it's Gentiles eat pork chops. So Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Yeah. Just testing y'all's testing y'all's Bible knowledge. See here. Galatians chapter six. We'll start in verse six and seven. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Sounds very self-serving this morning, doesn't it? (laughs) Share with me all of your good things. (laughs) The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows. This he will also reap. Amen. How many of you know in order for a home to be a home, there is a level of responsibility that has to be taken on by the people who live in that home, or it's not peaceful for everyone to live there. It's not enjoyable for everyone to live there. It's not even fun to live there. Um, This week, sometimes I feel like I try to take responsibility, and my wife, she's like, it's on my time, not your time because I like to procrastinate my responsibility doings. And so, like, I walked downstairs last night to wash the dishes. The dishes were washed. I was like, praise God. Thank God. That wasn't my plan. I was headed down there to wash the dishes, but they got washed. But how do you know, how many of you know that if, if I left everything in our home up to Anna to do, How many of you know that pretty soon Anna's going to have some stuff to say? And if you know my wife, she will say it. (laughs) Ain't no problem. Uh, Some of these guys, so some of these guys who talk about, I'm familiar with some people who talk about marrying women who like, you can just say whatever and talk to them however you want to and they submit in all of this all the time and it's like there is a reason there is like there is a reason why those people don't come to church here <laughs> there's a reason i heard you i heard a guy say one time about marriage he was just like my job is to orchestrate this. And your job is to fulfill my vision for my family as a husband. I'm like, all right, well, that'll work out for about 
as soon as I tell Anna, your job, yeah, yeah, that conversation is over. Yeah. She'd be like, your job? Yeah. But how many of you know that you have to work together to make a home a home? I... I think that we in church, a lot of times, we become houses uh, that people come to and they are entertained in because it's just a house for entertainment purposes. It's just a brand for branding purposes. And I'm not saying that these people don't really love Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying you can have pure intentions and still become something that you don't want to become. You can. I have, I have met with these people. and I have sat in rooms with these people that started out in one way and become something that they were totally like. They lost themselves. They lost themselves. Completely lost themselves. In the midst of ministry and in the midst of doing the stuff and it's important to have servant leadership in your church because I believe if you are a part of a local body you are called to lift a little bit you are called to lift a little bit this is not a one man show let me explain this to you in, 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 even in preaching terms, I'm not your Moses, and I don't go to Sinai for you. You with me? Sometimes you need to go get your own word from God. Sometimes the sole purpose that you come here on a Sunday morning may be just a fellowship. It, you may not need anything that I say. But everyone has to lift a little for this to be a home. You have to do something, right? You have to serve in some way. If you want to know what the life of Jesus consisted of, it was serving people all the time. All the time. He found a way to serve people. I can't remember a time. I do remember a time. There was about two weeks that I came to Hope Unlimited, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to chill out here and uh, relax for about, you know, a month or two. And uh, Pastor Case is like, I'm, we moved here on October the 30, 31st. He sends me a text message. He's like, hey, man, uh, could you preach on November the 17th? I was like, I guess, you know. And then I just started showing up. I didn't even have a job. I didn't have a job here. I'm telling you the God's honest truth when I said that. I didn't have a job here. I didn't get paid by the church. I didn't move here to get paid by the church. I moved here to sit under Pastor Casey's leadership. And Jamie, you can probably attest to this. I just started showing up at like 7.30 in the morning. And I'm like, what needs done? What needs done? Because when you've been impacted and touched in a way by the power and the love of God, there is nothing in you that doesn't want to create an environment for other people to experience that as well. 
The greatest quality of a leader, the greatest quality of a leader is that they create an atmosphere where you can encounter Jesus and you can live in community together with other people. That's one of the reasons our mission is what it is. We live to give people the life they were made for, encountering God and living in community. That's, that's one of the reasons that it's for that, because I want to raise up leaders in this home to do that. I don't want to raise up people to build a brand or the name of the church or be a cool like person that I can throw on stage every now and then. I have been there, done that, got the t-shirt, the coffee cup, the paycheck, and everything that comes with being on the rat race of ministry when it's about brand first. I have been there, done if you want to If you want to talk to me about it, I can talk to you about it till the sun goes down tomorrow. I can tell you everything that you want to know. I can tell you the good, bad, and the ugly, and the real ugly. I can tell you all of it. That's not what we're building at Hope Unlimited. We're not building a house where people feel like they are under this immense amount of pressure all the time. It's not what this is. We are building a home where people can come and relax and serve from overflow, right? And serve from a place of being connected to Him and together, right? Everyone has to lift a little if this house is going to become a home. Everyone has to lift a little if this house is going to become a home. You know what we, this is so strange to me. And I've been thinking about this recently. We tell every, everybody, we're really bad about this in the charismatic world because you've got to be holy before you serve, which is whatever. Um, you are as holy as I am because I didn't work for my holiness and you didn't work for yours either. Even in the midst of all your issues. Get on that topic at a different time. Different message, different day. We tell every person when they start walking with Jesus, we tell them to do everything. But we caution them against serving other people until they are in a place where they can. That's not what Jesus did. Peter was cussing and drinking Slicing people's ears off and serving at the same time. He didn't have it together. He wasn't necessarily a good look for the church. We encourage Christians to practice everything except serving other people when they start following Jesus. We want you to tithe. We want you to come to all our events. We want you to do all of this stuff. And I think one of the reasons is we're afraid to ask people to serve is because we're afraid that that will run them off. Okay, let me just give you a little backside story to this. If you don't ask people to serve, the people you have serving will stop serving. And then you ain't going to have nobody serving. They will stop. 
Because you're not called to produce like a machine. Even in church, you are not called to produce like a machine. You're called to lift a little. You're called to lift a little. You're called to carry a burden and a yoke that Jesus sets on you. Not a Fortune 500 company. What burden they put on you. You're not called to serve in that capacity. You're not called to do everything, go unrecognized, and never get told thank you. That is not what we're doing. I want to talk to you about this story briefly. And I want you to view everything from this perspective. Servant leadership is simply having faith for a friend. Servant leadership is simply you having faith for a friend. Even in the mundane stuff. I am the words I am the world's worst and have been. I've actually stopped past couple weeks, praise God, about seeing things as, in ministry especially, this is me confessing my sin to you. I got, I guess this is sin, I don't know. Either way, you're about to hear it. So, I see things as practical or I see them as spiritual. And I had a, I had a friend call me and he was like, There is none of that. This is all holy. And this is all spiritual. This is all, this all has a why behind it. And I think some of the people say, some people say I am burnt out with practical ministry because you see it just as that. You see it as another task to do instead of a person that you're serving. You see practical ministry, you, you lose the why behind your doing this and behind you being a part. You lose the why. And, and this is not, again, to build a brand here. I am not doing that. I will say that a thousand times if I say it once over the next four weeks. We're not building a brand We're not putting me in a spotlight. We're not putting anybody in a spotlight here. We're serving this city. And and in order to do that well, in this home, everybody has to lift a little. So what does that mean? That means that when you get here, if you're on the host team, just say you're on the host team, and you make coffee at 7.30 in the morning or 7 o'clock in the morning, you need to stop seeing that as practical. You need to start seeing that as holy. If you have to get here and there are technical things that you have to deal with on a Sunday morning, maybe in the tech booth, in the lighting, on the lighting computer, on the video, you need to stop seeing that as practical. And you need to start seeing that as holy. If you're asked to serve in the kids' department, and you should serve in the kids' department, if you're serving in the kids' department and there's someone getting dropped off over there, you're not just watching kids. You are not watching kids. You are sowing seed. It's holy. 
you have an opportunity that some people don't have. And if you can pass a background check, we'll let you serve in the kids' department. <laughs> and you can get that opportunity. If you were to, if you were to le- legitimately ask me this question, what is the number one place where you have to have the most faith to serve in church? I would say kids' ministry. Because you sow seed that you never see the fruit of. You put seed into the hearts of young people that you may never see flourish. So where does it take the most faith? I say it takes the kids department. Because you are having to do something all the time that you may never see the results from. Because this isn't about getting results. This isn't about producing. This isn't about today when we leave church, me posting online. How many people got saved at church this weekend? They got saved last week in all three services, and you've counted them four times now. If we really, I want you to think about this. Go find every church that you know, get their decision numbers the whole world would be saved. We got 712,000 people saved at church this weekend. They may have experienced freedom in a moment. That doesn't mean that they were born again into the kingdom. You have to have a revelation of who he is before that can happen. And I'm not saying that it never happens. Please don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that it never happens. I'm saying that the message that we have been preaching, turn from sin or burn in hell, that is not you getting saved. You did not get saved. You had a revelation of how bad you were. And that is not the good news of the gospel. You may have had an experience in a moment... But if you didn't see how good he was and how kind he is, you didn't give yourself to anything. You just said no. And that'll last for about two weeks. Because I was the champion of saying no. I was the champion of saying no, 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 no. And then I said yes one time. To a loving father and it transformed my life forever. I'm not saying there's no value in being in the presence of God. Because I think God can work in any sphere. I tell you I tell you all the time. Sometimes I'll just get a wild hair and I'll go to a Catholic mass. They have them 8 o'clock every morning over in Bearden. Most beautiful facility that I've ever seen in my life. It's incredible. Because I believe that God can work in the midst of all of it. So, servant leadership. Why do we do this? I'm going to give you four things that servant leaders do, then we're going to leave. This has to be viewed from the framework of nothing is practical, this is all spiritual, and everything that I do is holy. Okay? 
the first thing that you, that the first characteristic that I find in all of the people who are servant leaders is that they love people. They love people. They love other people. Because they have been, they have met a love that cannot, it cannot be contained inside of them. You can't bottle it up. Jeremiah said, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. And I can't, I can't keep my mouth shut about it. You, there is a love for other people when you are a servant leader. That you, it literally, it just oozes out of you. You can't help it. You don't know why. You don't know why you feel this drawing to people all the time. It's because God is in you. And he loves them. And you and him are one. You are, it is not, this is, this is some of the most heretical stuff that I've ever heard. You have a spirit man, and then you have your flesh man. And then you have some other soul man. Not when you're born again. You're a new creation. And you're always balancing between, well, i got to take care of this, 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 this. I don't do any of that. I don't do any of that. <clears throat> I, I, I tend to the interior garden that I have in here. And I let that be the guide for everything else. And that produces a love in me for people that I have never even experienced before. Servant leaders love people. And I'll say this. When they love people, it's not a boast in their love for God. Let me tell you how you can know if some... Oh, Jesus. Filter. Sweet Caroline. Good times never... I had to filter through a thought there. Yeah. Thank you guys for singing along. Whew. That was about to be bad. You are, you are glad that I didn't. I am glad that I didn't say what just popped in my mind. You will know that you have fallen in love with Jesus when it produces in you a love so deep that you have this thought or you have this feeling. If he loves me this way, he has to love everybody else this way. And if he doesn't love everybody else the same way that he loves me, then he's not just. He's not God. I'll say even something more controversial. He's not worthy of following because he's not, he's not just. He's not who he says he is. But God isn't like that. God is just, full of love and mercy. You know what the justice of God looks like? You getting what you don't deserve. That's what the justice of God looks like. It doesn't look like him coming with a golf club and smacking you on the back every time you make a mistake. Throwing you on the ground. Where do we get these images of God from? 
I just I get so perplexed when I read some of the things that people say and believe about God. I'm like, you didn't read the Bible. You may have read Plato. <laughs> Should I go here, Dougie? Dougie says no. <laughs> All right. We'll move on. How is the love of God made manifest to people? Through you. It's through you. It's that simple. You are an ambassador. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You are an ambassador of Christ. You are being sent into the world the same way that Jesus was sent into the world to tell people to be reconciled to God. And when you're an ambassador, a lot of the times... You don't have to show up and say anything. People just know. And I want this home, Hope Unlimited, to be a place where you go out into your everyday job and people know that there's just something a little different. There's just something different. They have a peace that other people around here don't have. They have a joy that other people don't have. They walk in this, yeah, this authority that is just awesome. And I'm not talking about you walking in authority, getting up and preaching the gospel to everybody in your workplace. That's not what I'm talking about. Nobody cares if you can do that. Anybody can. Give anybody with a loud mouth a microphone. Is there, is there something in you that people see when you don't say anything? I remember... When this started, this revelation started being, I guess, started in me. I was working at AT&T with our beloved Brandon, sitting on the front row. And I got sent to another store. And this dude, I'll never forget this as long as I live. This dude, we had to open the door for people at AT&T. It's the five points of whatever they call them. Calvinism is what it was. <laughs> it was five points of Calvinism. Rope you into buy, we rope you into buying a phone and make you feel like trash at the same time. So you get that bill and you feel like trash. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry for all my Calvinist people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I open the door. I'm serious. I open this door and this dude walks in and he stops. I'll never forget this. And he just looks at, I have never been to this store. This is like, in Iuka, Mississippi or something. Pushed me halfway across the world from Hamilton. And I was like, why in the world did they send me over here today? And if it was for this one thing, I believe this is what it's for. This dude walks in and he looks right at me and he's like, you, like, you know Jesus. I didn't say anything to him. He's like, hey, sir, how you doing? He's like, you know Jesus, don't you? And I was like, yeah, I do. I was like, he's really, really good. <laughs> and we've, we've told people, like, go into your workplace and be bold for God. Sometimes boldness looks like taking out the trash and sweeping 
when nobody else wants to and serving in places that nobody else wants to serve. It doesn't look like getting a microphone and telling everybody what in the world's wrong with them. That's not, that is not what Jesus did. Read the gospel. It's not what he did. There has to be a love for you that other, there, there has to be a love for other people that people can see in you even when you don't say anything. Second thing, you have to be willing to lower yourself into people's stuff. Do you think about this story when they were carrying him on this mat? They had to love this dude first to pick him up, right? And then they lowered themselves into his dysfunction. Listen, following Jesus is not an escape from the problems around you. It's an invitation into them. Because you have something that can change what is going on. It is not an escape from all of the issues of life. It is an invitation to go and handle them. You with me? Following, being set apart doesn't mean that you are separate in the sense where you don't live among the people who are hurting and broken. The reason, the reason why you still see people as evil is because you still see yourself that way. Because you still think that God thinks you're evil. Because you believe in total depravity, which is not biblical. That wasn't even a thing until the 1500s. I'm getting off into it this morning. Here we go. Calvinism is not the gospel. Check, mate. You can't be aware of how sinful you are and change. You can't do that. You will not believe that you are so bad and you hurt God so much that you just decide to change one day. There has to be something that provokes you that's greater than that. You will not understand how wicked you are. Like, why do we want to give you a revelation of wickedness if we're trying to give, get you to live righteous? What does that even mean? We do it all the time. We do it all the time. In case you were wondering, I'm not a Calvinist. <laughs> they tell you in the church planning stuff, don't ever say stuff like this because it gets you in trouble. Awesome. Calvinism's got more people in bondage, and I'm not worried about getting in trouble if I'm getting people out of bondage. So... Anyways, <clears throat> Jesus immersed himself into issues. You know what was happening in Jesus' baptism? <clears throat> we view Jesus' baptism a lot of the times as this catalyst moment for his ministry, and it definitely was. But Jesus was doing more in his baptism than just being baptized. He was redeeming Israel's wilderness experience. When Jesus was lowered into the waters of baptism, it's the same picture of the children of Israel being lowered in between the waters of the Red Sea. And Israel got it wrong, and Jesus got it right. Jesus came to redeem Israel's wilderness experience. 
And so when Jesus was lowered into the waters of baptism, it was to immerse himself into the world's suffering. It wasn't an escape from it. Baptism is not just you making a public statement of your faith. It is saying, I'm willing to follow Jesus wherever he asks me to go. And if it's being immersed into other people's issues, then I'm fine with that. That's what baptism is. When we follow Jesus, and if you want to be a servant leader and what we think a servant leader is, you have to be willing to lower yourself into people's issues. Just like these friends in this story lowered themselves into the issue of a paralyzed man. And it doesn't just stop with you lowering yourself into people's issues. Because if you stop there, you're just sitting with them in their issues, which ain't good. And y'all are both looking at an issue, trying to figure out how to solve an issue. Ain't gonna work. When we say we follow Jesus, and we don't want to be immersed into other people's things, in other people's way of life, into other people's struggle, into other people's stress, we don't want to be immersed into that. Jesus starts saying some things that are really problematic to those people that don't want to do that but claim that they are for the kingdom of God. The most problematic thing, I didn't think I was going to preach about this this morning, but here we go. The most problematic thing that maybe Jesus ever said was to Herod. One of the most problematic things that Jesus ever said to the king of the day would have been like our president. Jesus preaches on the narrow gate and the wide gate. Y'all remember when Pastor Casey taught on that? The narrow gate and the wide gate. The narrow gate is you <clears throat> doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. Not you do unto others as they done to you, but you would treat people the way that you wanted to be treated. And so when you're struggling, you want people to come and pull you out. And when other people are struggling, they need somebody to come and pull them out, right? That's the narrow gate. The wide gate that leads to death, if you remember this, is people who take this posture of this superiority complex, right? It's like, I have all the answers over this way in my tower in the sky, but I won't get in, I won't get in the midst of your mess with you. I'll go pray for you in the prayer closet. But I won't get in this with you. That's not following Jesus. It's not. Pray all you want to. Go suffer with people. I would actually argue that people who go and suffer with people and go sit with people in their brokenness and their mess are, are more like Jesus than those people to have this, that claim to have this exuberant walk with God that everybody should want to participate in for some reason. You are more like God in the midst of people suffering than you are in the prayer closet. Y'all didn't like that one. The most problematic thing that Jesus ever said, in my opinion, is to King Herod. King Herod was claiming to be imposing the kingdom of God. 
You know, a lot of our background tells us that Herod was evil, right? Everybody knows that. Herod was evil. The problem is, is when you read about Herod, he reminds me of a lot of people who had really good intentions and then hurt people because he had a, he had a good intention but did the wrong thing. He had great intentions. His, he just had a little screw loose. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's like, this is going to harm people, and I don't care. We're going to accomplish the goal. That sounds like church leaders, right? And so Jesus teaches on the narrow and the wide gate, and the, wide, the narrow gate and the wide gate. And the Pharisees are sent by Herod to tell Jesus, Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus looks at them and says this, you go tell that fox. There's a reason why he says this. You go tell that fox that I'm going to keep casting out devils, and I'm going to keep healing the sick, and I'm going to keep raising the dead. Now, he used that language on purpose. He used the word fox on purpose, right? Because in Jewish culture, people who were learning from a rabbi were called foxes. And people who were the rabbis were called lions. And when someone would approach them and ask them a question, if, if those two people were in the same room together, right? One of the, if, 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 a, if a fox was in the room with a lion, a student in the room with a teacher, they would say, why do you come ask me this question? I'm only a fox and there's a lion in the room. That is exactly what Jesus is communicating to the king of a nation and the president of the world because he was imposing suffering onto other people in the name of God, in the name of the kingdom of God with a pure intention. And he says, Jesus starts preaching this and he says, you just go tell that fox. You go tell the person who just doesn't know my way yet. The most insulting thing that Jesus could have ever said. Jesus would have been called, Jesus was called, rebellious. He was. Some of these people who claimed to be spiritual fathers couldn't even be Jesus's. He's too rebellious. Says things you don't like. Walks with a little bit of swagger. I could get off into this. And because you want to be everybody's spiritual father, and anybody with a personality gets theirs chopped when they come into your presence, that's not you being a father. That's you being an egomaniac. And you're not a father. You're not an apostle. Quit calling yourself that. You ain't. You're not a prophet. You're not. Because you predicted the election doesn't mean you're a prophet. People who predicted the election in the church this past time got it all wrong. All of them. I didn't hear one person say Joe Biden's going to be president. Didn't hear a single person. Trump's going to win again. Still ain't there. Still ain't in the office. Still don't have Twitter back. Y'all want to be the president. He can't even get Twitter back.
This is what I want to look at some people and say when they inflict suffering onto other people in the name of their religious system that they have built it around a church and a community of people. I want to look at them and say, you're just a fox. You're just a fox. You don't know what the kingdom of God is like. You don't suffer with other people. You're just a fox. You need to grow up. You've got a ton of learning to do. And I don't care how famous you are. I don't care how many times you traveled and preached. If people are getting hurt because of you, that is a problem. Period. And it doesn't matter what you feel God has called you to do. God doesn't call you to do something that hurts other people. Stop spiritualizing spiritual abuse. Y'all okay? The reason why people who have ego issues have to cut everybody else down in their presence is because they are not a father. Fathers do not cut you, they lift you. I've been in the presence of both. And if you want to know the, all the, the answers to that question, I've been in that situation and in that situation in two different cultures, and I can tell I have been there, done that, got both T-shirts. Didn't get a check because the father's the only one that gets a check, but I won't get off on that. Didn't get a check. Got a check in one culture. But if you will not suffer with other people, you are not a servant leader. You are a dude with a mic, with a gift, and we don't care. If you have to demand that people respect you, people don't really respect you. People are trying to ride the coattail of your gift. Don't ride, the, don't ride my coattail. Ain't enough room. I'm filling out the shirts I have. Need to lose weight. I'm not going to help you build your brand. I'm not going to help you. I'm not sending you anywhere. I'm not, I'm not waiting until I feel the appropriate time to say yes to you to go to preach somewhere else. I had somebody tell me one time, they were like, you can't go preach anywhere else because you ain't under the covering. Like, awesome. Okay. Awesome. What the reality was is they were jealous that I got booked at a conference with one of their favorite speakers. And I was outside of the covering. That's what it was. Anyways. What else this morning? <laughs> Don't be like Herod. The spirit of Herod <clears throat> is rampant in church leaders. Pure intentions and hurt whoever you want. Because you're building your ministry. You feel God's called you to do something. We well, didn't call you to hurt people. So reevaluate all that. Or put the mic down. 
you can tell. I have a lot of pent-up energy. And also, yesterday I went to the doctor and got a steroid shot. So, you know, that's, it's all feeling good. <laughs> yesterday I text, I text Pastor Casey and I was like, dude, have you ever went and got a steroid shot? And apparently that's a real common thing. Like, don't know that I've ever had one until yesterday. I'm like, man, I was like, I'm telling you, I feel like that I could go outside and deadlift my Honda. (laughs) I text my best friend yesterday, and I was like, man, I'm thinking about working out, like, every day in the morning again. I'm serious. I sent this. I'll show you. I'll show you the message. I told Anna this. I'm going to start my day with a 20-minute walk in the morning after I've been to the gym at 5 a.m. I told her that yesterday. You know what time I got up this morning? 6.30. (laughs) I told, I told my best friend yesterday, I was like, I'm looking to buy a barbell and, 135, and, and 135 pounds because I'm going to do 100 deadlifts every morning before my car leaves my, my garage and I'm going to walk 20 minutes around my neighborhood. So steroids talking. So steroids talking. Last two things you need to do. After you immerse yourself into people's suffering, You need to look at what these people did. They lifted this dude off the ground. You have to learn to lift people out of their dysfunction. You have to learn to lift people out of their dysfunction. It is not God's plan for you to live a dysfunctional life. It ain't. Sorry. The greatest disservice that you can do with a person... The greatest disservice is that you know a way to get them out of the pain that they are in and you don't help them get out of it. That's the greatest disservice you can do to a person. Listen, sometimes you're not going to have an answer. Sometimes things in life happen that people just don't have answers for. But that doesn't mean that you can't get in their environment with just this settled spirit and this restful soul. You know, because life happens to everybody. It doesn't just happen to certain people. And you can look at them and you can say, I know you're going through hell right now. And I know that you have a lot of pain in your heart right now. But I can sit here with you, and you, when you get ready to get out of this, I'll help, I'll help lift you out of this. In the kingdom of God, you have to be fine with getting messy. you got to be fine with that. you got to be okay with that. you just got to be okay with it. Sometimes you're not going to have all the answers. Sometimes you may know exactly what to say. you got to be fine with lifting people out of their mess and some of their mess getting on you. And I don't mean causing you to sin. That's not what I mean by this. That's not what I mean. I mean some of the baggage that comes with you walking with them. And some of the things that people are going to say when you are friends with this person and you sat with that person. I'm so glad Jesus asked all those questions. 
sat with the most wicked man in the city. Didn't care. Sat with prostitutes. He didn't care. There were people one time that asked me if I was going to go correct somebody that I didn't even know went to church here because of something they posted on social media. I was like, no. Number one, no. I ain't going to do that. Number two, how about you build a relationship with them and you can correct them yourself? Because this is not my job. My job is to love people. And if I ever have a relationship good enough with them that I can bring some correction, so be it. But if I don't, who cares? I have an interior piece that will do all the correcting in the world. Anyways, you've got to be willing to lift people. Right. Last thing, you gotta be able to you gotta be willing to carry them into the presence of Jesus. Every week, somebody helps carry you into this atmosphere. Every single week. Whether it be prayer during the midweek that creates this atmosphere. I really believe that. I really do believe that. I can't explain the theological side of it, but I really do believe that. Whether it be prayer whether it be somebody getting here setting up the flags, whether it be somebody pouring a hot cup of coffee, whether it be somebody serving in the kids' department, that is helping carry weight. That is helping carry weight. And that's what a servant leader does because the ultimate goal in all of this is to get you into a place where you can encounter Jesus in a real way. These people, these men, I'm sorry that I went a long time this morning. I had a lot of rabbit trails. Blame it on the steroid shot. (laughs) There are people in this church that do things every single week. They do them every single week. And they do it Because someone did it for them every single week. I have no problem serving anywhere. Because I remember my youth pastor who used to pray over the chairs that I would sit in. And I remember remember my youth pastor would, would pick me up sometimes and we would just go out and eat together. Me and my youth pastor are real good friends now. Still really, really good friends. And he was carrying me when I couldn't, I didn't know how to get there. I didn't know what I was doing. And that's what these people are doing in this passage of scripture. Is they are carrying someone who can't get to where they need to be. And that's what servant leaders do. They carry people to places that they can't get by themselves in atmospheres they're unfamiliar with. That's what servant leaders do. They don't climb a ladder. They don't build a brand. They don't do all of this stuff. They carry people. They carry weight. That's the difference between completing a task and being a servant leader. You can lift weight by just going over there and completing a task. No doubt. 
But servant leaders, they carry it. They carry weight. So when the Bible says in Galatians 6, give back in all good things to the one that teaches you. Galatians 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he also reaps. There's going to be a day where you need somebody to carry you. And you will reap what you sow. You will reap what you sow. And the second thing is give back in all good things. To what, what, what that's communicating there, it's not, it's not saying for you to give everything that you have that is good to me. It's saying what feeds you, feed it. Wherever, whatever house you're being fed from, whatever home that you are becoming a part of, take some responsibility. Do something. Don't wait. I'm so over the, I gotta wait to get it all together to do something. No, you don't. Those people all the time, you remember all those people who preached holiness and hell hotter than everything and then had affairs? God works in spite of us. Not because of us. The goodness of God working in the lives of other people, don't think of yourself too highly, is not because you were so holy and godly and you just decided that you were going to be the only one to come here and do this. God will just find somebody else. God will just find somebody else. And he doesn't care who it is because his holiness is what makes them holiness. Not your self-righteousness. Jake, you can come on up. This was a rough sermon today. Long. Had a lot to say. I didn't preach last week, did I? Yeah, I did. Didn't preach two weeks ago. <laughs> didn't preach two weeks ago. But I want these, I really, I want these values, you to understand, the, these things that I'm preaching, this is what makes this place home. This is what makes this place more than a house to be entertained in. This is what makes this place a home where families can come and be made whole. Go on, you can stand to your feet this morning. I'm not concerned with your talent, your gift, whatever. I'm not concerned with that. I'm concerned with your wholeness and how you're doing and you being formed into an image that looks like Jesus. Again, I am so sorry that I preached so long today. But my prayer is that this concept of servant leadership where we're, where we're loving people, we're lowering ourselves into people's mess we're lifting them out and we're carrying them into the presence of God I pray that that resonates with you because that's what servant leaders do they're not and servant leaders do not get thrown on a stage to build a brand or a logo or an image or whatever it's not about that it's not about that 
It's about us encountering Jesus and us living with each other. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.